1: or what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. and Welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And Before we get started, I want to apologize ahead of time if there's any audio issues. I'm on the road today recording remotely. Uh, Toby Tomplay, executive producer, will naturally make it sound the best that he can make it sound. So but I'm we're in a hotel room, y'all, so if you hear any noises or whatever, I apologize ahead of time. Also, you know, I'm unedited and unscripted. Um, so everything you get in today is just gonna be raw. And we're gonna leave it that way. And today I'm going to be concluding the series Rapids Burning. And also ending this will be the last Episode of season five of Real Life Real Crime the podcast. So we want to appreciate everybody for listening, and just hold on and let's get started. All right, y'all. So today I'm actually feel like I'm sitting in the lines, den, and I'm in I'm in Rapides Parish, and I have a, a very special guest with me, if you will, uh, Mr. Jermaine Harris. Mr. Jermaine. Get, thank you for being here
0: oh no problem man. i'm happy to be here
1: all right y'all and so y'all in case you don't know and for the lifers who don't know about the Rapids burning series it's it started with us continuing to wait on justice for courtney coco and another friday came just like tomorrow will also and that i got another lame excuse and it was so lame it just really upset me and I stayed up all night thinking about what I could do and now from day one, the first episode on Courtney and Coco when all the lifers started reaching out and giving me information et etc, they especially people from Rapids had been sending me tons of information on cases they felt they had been done wrong or that were still cold case homicides or political corruption or police corruption et cetera. And so what I did, I thought about that night, I said, you know what, this story needs to be told, it needs to be put together and told all at one time so people can get an idea of what's really going on. And so we've done that, or I've done that in the past three episodes. Now today, I have Mr. Jermaine Harris with me, now y'all, I'm not from Rapids Parish, and and I I, I love the people of Rapids Parish, it's not their fault, right, Uh, but Mr. Jermaine, I know they they don't have any the powers to be don't have any love for Woody Overton <laughs> here, and that's okay. They, but I don't I don't care. I'm, I'm just telling the truth. I'm, I'm, everything I've told y'all has been told me by somebody here. Uh, you know, when I might have been speeding just a little bit, uh, but when I hit that Rapid's Parish line, you better believe that I was going 55. So, <laughs> but that being said, y'all, uh, Jermaine Harris is. I'm just let me introduce you to him, Mr. Jermaine. Uh, you're from Rapids Parish. Yeah, born and raised. Born and raised. And what's it like growing up here?
0: Oh, uh, I, I enjoy growing up here. Um, I grew up in Alexandria, um, and I spent went through school in Alexandria. So, I mean, I'm you know I left home for a while, uh, worked in New Orleans some, but I came back
1: home because I, I love living in Rapids Parish. I, I understand that. There's no place like home, right? That's right. Okay, and I get that. So. Tell me, so we can segue into it. You grew up here. You go off. You go off to college, and then after college, you go to law school. I went to law school, and, and uh, where'd you go? I went to Loyola in New Orleans. Uh,
0: when I graduated, I worked some in New Orleans. I worked in a public defender's office for almost a year, and then I moved back here to Alexandria. Um, I started a practice. I did that for maybe a year, year and a half, and then in the beginning of 2015. Um, I started to work for the district attorney's office. And that—so who was the district attorney at that time? And that was Philip Terrell. As a matter of fact, when he was uh, sworn in as DA, I was sworn in later that same day as assistant as one of the assistant
1: district attorneys. Right. You know, I have a—I can't say every district attorney in the state, but I've had dealings and cases uh, with so many of them. And the—for most people that don't know y'all, the, uh, especially larger DA's offices— the ADAs or the assistant district attorneys are really the ones that, who do the grind every day, right? Who that's do, right. The, who try the cases, who deal with the victims, et cetera. And the, the, the DA, especially if it's a larger office is mainly a public figure and, and, but they do have a final say so on the cases or they should. And that's right? correct. And
0: I'll tell you, some DA's offices differ. When I was in new Orleans, um, uh, I think he is a uh, retiring after this year in new Orleans, but his office uh, was more of a firm grip. I mean, you had right. to get everything approved mm-hmm. by him or someone he appointed. Right. Um, and that was, you, you you had to do that. Right. And I think uh, from my experiences here, it's, a, it's more loose. Right. You know, it's more, you know, control. Assistants have more control than they have
1: in, say, New Orleans. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. Uh, and I get that. And I've I, I worked some DA's offices where the DA is the only guy there and like in the East east and west police right? So, uh, maybe one, one ADA, yeah, but I never met a prosecutor. And of course I've had clashes with some over the years, uh, uh, even in, when I was on the law enforcement side, but now on, on the defense consultant side, et cetera. But I never met a prosecutor that got into it. First of all, uh, because they wanted to get rich. I mean, you certainly can make more money in a private practice doing yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. It's just like a cop or a law enforcement professional. You don't do it really for the money. You do it because you have a passion for it. Is that, why, why, why did you want to be? I, mean, I I know the public defenders is a whole different breed, and, and I've dealt with them my whole career also, but they're certainly not doing it for the money, right? And And they're helping people the best. Everybody, y'all, has a right to defense, and, and I totally agree with that. No matter what they've done, they, they have a right to defense and a proper defense. The, the, that's what our country is based off of. But so you, you came from the public defender's office, and why did you get into the prose, prosecutorial side?
0: Well, that side to me is, well, both sides, they do justice in their own ways, but I think working for the DA's office, you, you do justice, but you have more control. I mean, you have the control to the extent that if you have a really bad case, um, you really have the the power to go in and really prosecute it aggressively and help out a victim's family receive exactly. justice. But you also, on the flip side, have the opportunity. If it's a bad case, you can help a defendant in situations where he may be innocent or there may not be enough evidence. Right. So you can be fair and balanced on both sides, a,
1: and you have the power to do it versus as a public defender you don't have that power. Right. And then, say, like I used to tell the young cops when I trained them, you know, uh, if you can't help somebody, don't go out of your way to hurt them because there's enough legitimate bad guys out there that you, you're you going to have to hurt, exactly. it, right? And it's the same thing, uh, I think, from a DA standpoint. And I get that. And that, look, not everybody that that commits a crime, you know, obviously, people make stupid choices and, and yeah. things like that, but then, that's one in the spectrum. But then you have the other in the spectrum where you have your serial rapist or murderers or whatever and then, to me, and I mean, I have many, many of them that are going to die in Angola that I put there. And I, the last person executed in the state of Louisiana, Gerald Bordelon, I, I knew him personally, okay, a, who raped and murdered um, his stepdaughter, according uh, to the ball and left her on the Amy River. But if I had become a lawyer, the only thing I would have ever done was be a prosecutor. And and my, my family are full of lawyers. So I get that. And I, I think that's an honorable deal. So, but. As in any profession, I think, especially in law enforcement, you start out, when you go in, you have a certain idea of how you know things should, should be, et cetera, but then you get in and you find out what it's really like. And that's okay, uh, in my mind, that's okay as long as it's, it's still right. But sometimes you get into situations, you can go places, and you find out things are wrong. But can you t- tell me about your time in the DA's office? So uh, I went in
0: in uh, January 2015. I started working for the DA's office. And um, initially, I took over a caseload there as primarily drugs. And, you know, I started prosecuting those cases. And it was funny because as I started prosecuting I sat down at the desk and I asked myself, well, how do I determine what this person's sentence or offer should be? Should I help this person? Should I not help this person? How do I know from reading this report and so I think at that point I developed a real rapport with law enforcement right. because they knew who was who in the community. Right. And so the more I talked to them, the more I started to know, okay, this is a major player. A, a flyer. Yeah. And you started learning who the players were in the area, and you started learning this is the person I need to prosecute aggressively or right. if I don't know his name, maybe this is someone I should help. Right. But if I know the name, I right. know he's involved, and I know that this is someone we should target. And so that, that started my relationship of really working aggressively with law enforcement. Outside of just getting the report and going to court, right.
1: I wanted to hear from them to know what was going on. That, that, that's, a, that's a excellent idea, and it just brings me to flashback, right? I go into court, maybe a probable cause hearing or a motion to suppress or whatever, the DA would always take me out in the hallway and say, "Hey, can you, can you tell me about this one?" Because they know. Right? I could tell them if it was a frequent flyer or somebody has been on my radar for a while, or you know, a lot of times I'd say, "Hey, look, I don't know them." They were respectful, whatever, whatever, you know. So that's yeah, that actually goes on, and then for you to reach out to cops, props to you on that. Yeah. So that's, and that's important because
0: they 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 have the knowledge, and so that was my thing. Sometimes we'd be in court. And it would be a, uh, sometimes the major players would come in in the, in the drug game and they would get, you know, probation drug court. And then the community at large in that area knows, Oh, they gave this guy probation and just to make the criminal justice system looks bad. When, when, when everyone in the community knows who a person is, but the DA didn't know who it was, you know what I mean? And so it's a disconnect. And so it's important to have the same information that they have.
1: Right. I agree with that. I agree. And, and, uh, so you started out prosecuting drug cases, and and then at a certain point, I wanted to do more. You know, I wanted
0: to. You know, I was happy with the drugs, but I said, you know, I want to move up and do some some murders, some serious crimes, some rapes. And I, luckily, I was in a situation there where no one was really fighting me, so they're like, hey, take some. Mm-hmm. And so I started taking on some serious cases and. Um, you know, and then I reached a certain point where I wanted to do more because I was working so much more with law enforcement right. and working with the task force that we have here. And so um, when I was in New Orleans, they were doing a lot of racketeering cases. right? And so I got with law enforcement here. I say, well, look, they're doing a lot of this in New Orleans. You know, maybe this can solve some of the issues we're having. And they were on board with it. And so I started working with them within a year, maybe within six months of me being a DA's office, I started working with them and by my second year we indicted 14 defendants in a uh, racketeering case
1: uh, under Rico you yes, talking about that's correct okay so for y'all that don't know Rico is was it uh, it's basically the the way the prosecutors can bring the additional charge of an ongoing criminal organization am I correct that's correct and and, and, it, and it greatly enhances and they first brought that around uh by using it on the mob, or the that's mafia and, uh, uh, way back when, I think the 80s or when it was. So that's a big deal. Uh, so y'all look it up if you don't know what that is. And the big thing
0: about it was a lot of people, you know, that I not used to practicing under it, but what helped me with it was it, it, once I learned more about it, it became easier because you only had to show uh, the association with this group. All the defenders didn't need to know each other. You just had to show that they were a part of this group. And so, um, you know, once once we figured that out, it was it was easy going, and we, we indicted fourteen defendants, uh, twelve of which were convicted, two of which weren't because they were serving time in other jurisdictions, and we just allowed them to serve their time right, there. Right. Right. And so, but I want to say within a year and a half or so, it wasn't long, and all twelve were convicted of something. Right. Um. And so, and it kind of culminated with I think the leader himself that we identified ended up going to trial, um, and towards the end of the trial. Um, I think he saw the writing on the wall. Now, this was the first racketeering case of this type that I know of in Rat Peace Parish. And we were a little concerned about the jury. We were like, I don't know if they— You never know about the you know, jury. Because <laughs> we're explaining this to them, but it's hard to, right. to know whether or not they're really receiving it. And so at the end, he ended up pleading 50 years on racketeering and 35 years on attempted murder. And so um, I think it will be maybe 29 years before he's parole-eligible, Right. Uh, and this is That's a awesome. defendant who would have been, as a matter of fact, he was serving time when he was indicted, but uh, sometime after we indicted him for racketeering, he was to be released.
1: Right. And right. so
0: then he got this time, so he never got out. And so, um, and that was a case purely working hard with law enforcement because I couldn't have put that case together if they didn't have sure. the intelligence. Right. They had the intelligence. I had the will and, you know, the ability to prosecute it. so we put it together. Right. And so it ended up working and it had a real impact in the community. Um, but after that, I wasn't able to,
1: I wanted to kind of build upon that and do more, but I wasn't able to. Yeah. And, and real quick on it, uh, you have heard me tell stories about how I used to work day and I made my bones in a dope game, okay, mm-hmm. and on the street, and I loved it, right, just like you started out in narcotics until I worked my first homicide, and that's all I cared about. And and, and putting good bad guys away, even though the dopers was bad, but I'm talking about putting people away who are destroying lives, even though the, I know the narcotics dealers are slowly, but I'm talking about people who are raping babies and murdering people and stuff like that. So, but the... Uh, i parallel with you on that. And I used to so jokingly say, and I love our, our ADAs and uh, the trial of the cases, et cetera, by and it's true, um, you say, uh, I build these cases for the district attorney, right? Mm-hmm. And, but but then their forte is taking what I've built and molding in something, and your job is to get it passed to jury. And then you right. never know what a jury's going to do. And look, it, it takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of balls to to stand up and and do that. And I, I also always say, and in, in in most cases, this is true. DAs love—I am talking about the political ones—love to say they have a ninety-eight point five percent conviction rate. And well, you know why that is because they plea out a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 on those more serious ones, if they think not, if they think there's a chance they're they're going to lose it. They, they won't try it, mm-hmm. and, and especially not in an election year, right? That's correct. And, and, and so, I, I don't know. but So, you, know, you and I talked previously, and I just want to ask you about this, uh, and it's going to go back to Courtney Coco for a minute. When you were there at, at, in the DA's office, what was your knowledge of Courtney Coco's case? So,
0: I had already, you know, known about the case, just being from the area, right. you know, um, as a matter of fact, I, I, I went to Ash for one year, I graduated from Peabody, but I was at Ash for a year, so I remembered her from um, from school. So when she passed, I think I saw it on the news and you know you're like, man, that's the I remember her right, from, from school. Right, right. And so I've already always known about it and as the years went by, I would see um, you know different things. I would see the, the family somewhat having trouble getting, uh, getting answers in a case and I would see that you know ongoing. So when I was in the DA's office, I'm one of those people, I said, well, you know, once I get an opportunity to to be able to do something, let me see what I can do. Right. But initially, you know, I was looking, I was already looking at cold cases anyway. Right. That's my thing. I, I love, you know, to look at cold cases because to me, it's one of those things where you can actually go back and piece something together and look at maybe where someone may have That's missed right. something and see if you can put it together. Right. So I've always been fascinated by that. So. Uh, once I was in the position, I said, "Well, let me see what I can do." So I started looking at a different uh, cold case initially to see, you know, what I can do. Go through the file, see what was if anything was missing, and what I could do. And as I was going through that, uh, one of the investigators told me about a connection they thought that may be between that case and Courtney's case. Was that Tamika, um, the Garnett case? Tamika Garnett, yeah. And so, um, you know, but so I, so I said, well. Maybe we should look at, you know, both of these cases and and see what we could do. Now, with uh, Shamika's case, I think there was no problem as far as, you know, getting materials on that. But when it came to Courtney's case, there was more pushback in regards to that case.
1: Um, I'm not sure why, why that was the case, but... Uh, well, let, let, let me... Let me... And I'm going to interrupt you a lot, and I apologize. Uh, I have hundreds of thousands of hours of interview and interrogation. <laughs> in the final statement on so the tip of my tongue. I'll forget it. The, so when you say, and, and I get that, and I was the same way about cold cases, right? When I remember my first day in the Texas. Everybody else left. I been, couldn't wait to stay after and get into the cold case. I remember a big old gray metal file cabinet and, and looking at them. But when you're looking at Shemika's case, and now they were, they were good friends. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, uh, Courtney's trunk of her car where where her body was obviously placed, she had her uh Shemika's obituary clipped out of the paper so she, her body was placed on top of that. I mean they they were they weren't just acquaintances, they were good friends. I mean the people I can't go into too much details, but they were good friends. And and so but when you say you asked for information on Courtney's case and you were getting pushback, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, just not really handing over a lot of the information in regards to the case. Now, they they eventually did do that, but it wasn't you know it's, it was hesitation. It wasn't it wasn't as quick and swiftly as they would be in other cases. So you
1: perceive it was your perception, and you, correct me if I'm wrong. When you were asked for that, for some reason you didn't get it as quick, or they weren't, or they maybe there was a delay. I hope you go away type feeling. I don't know. I mean Yeah, uh, and that's
0: exactly what it was. And I didn't you know, I didn't know a lot of the history behind the case. The only thing I knew about the case at the time was it was a cold case that hadn't been solved. So I didn't right. I didn't know anything behind a lot of the, you know, what's been going on between the family and law enforcement and trying the only thing I really knew at the time was that, you know, it was a cold case that may be connected to something I'm looking at. So right. I wanna look at that and see, you know, how it might fit because I don't know if anyone at that time had ever compared cases and looked at information to see if they could find any similarities. So um, I think that was one of the biggest things I wanted to do. But even once I got to that point to where I was able to get that information, that was when I was on my way out of the office. At that point, I was sort of dissatisfied with the office at that point, so I never got a chance to actually dig into it and look and
1: see what I could find. Right. But uh, all the other cases that you looked at or you asked for information on, you didn't get the kind of pushback or delay gain that you got when they, when you asked about Courtney Coco's file? No. Okay. All right. And at what point? I mean, if you don't have to answer, if you don't want to, but you, I mean, you got at some point. You it sounds like maybe you got a little fed up or whatever. aggravated. What 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 made you decide to leave the district attorney's office?
0: Well, the
1: if you want to answer, you don't the, have to.
0: What well, office just really wasn't going in the right direction. I think you know. The way I am is, you know, I like things to be done a certain way. And it's hard to have things done a certain way when you don't have complete control of the situation. You know, when you're an assistant, you know, what you can do is limited. Uh, to give you an example, uh, just the racketeering case I talked about, you know, I really wanted to build upon that. And I was working towards building upon that with law enforcement. But but my voice for well, law enforcement wouldn't hold the same way that the DA himself taking control You know, so at a certain point, when you're trying to get things done and accomplished as much as you can, but without having the voice of being the guy in charge, it made it a lot harder to get things done. And, you know, and as time went by, you know, I wanted to do more, you know, especially dealing with some of the uh, violent offenders in the parish, I wanted to do a lot more, Um, but it was was just hard to get done. And so I think that, you know, for me, if I don't feel like things are going the right way in a direction of the office, isn't toward, you know, if you're going to be a DA's office, you should be towards really prosecuting people who need to be off the street and being aggressive about it. I don't think that aggression was there, you know. Um, just to, I'm going to give you an example. I think last year, I think they may have tried 11 trials last year, which is up because that's, that's a high number for them in a year. Uh, they still have tried fewer cases than the last DA did, but in this last term, but it was 11. I think the might lost five of them, you really? know. So, I mean, jury trials, you're talking so, about. Jury trials, so that's six and five. They have
1: tried 11 trials the whole year. And meanwhile, you got these cases, and, and I've covered it, and I can't, I'm, I'm bad with names, but I covered in Rapids Burning, where you've got these cases that have been delayed three and four years. And some of them, the people have reoffended, mm-hmm. and And so, I mean, at that I guess justice isn't uh, swift and cert- certainly not certain, right? Well, and you don't care about DA's office losing that many trials in a
0: year either. I mean, you know. Yeah, that, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a, yeah. I I wouldn't want to go to trial either. If I was getting my ass beat. And, I mean, and the and to me, you have to properly screen those cases. You can't, sure. You know, you have to properly screen the cases and know the strength of your cases before you're taking it to trial. Because I've seen instances where they take a bad case. You will take a bad case to trial. But then you'll plead out a really strong and right, good case. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The cases that we should be trying, we aren't. So, yeah. you know, and I think a couple of those losses were like child sex-related
1: cases. You that's, have to really be prepared unreal. to yeah. take those cases to the, trial. I don't, I don't understand. I guess you and I are the same mindset because I don't understand losing. I don't build junk. I don't come unless I'm coming correct. I never lost a case by trial, trial ever, or mm. motion to suppress or. Uh, a search warrant return, whatever. But You know why? Because I took my time and I built it correctly. You know? You're right on that. And and, and uh, the, I don't understand that, but losing five out of 11 and only trying 11. You know, and the thing about it is... You wonder why you, your killers are still walking around. That That's true, and, they, and
0: they're taking it to trial. And, you know, losing that many to me, my, my position on it is... I'm taking things to trial. I can win, right. and I'm gonna make sure I have everything in place to win that trial. Uh, when I was there, I didn't lose any trials either. I got conviction of all those trials because you know, I made sure going into those trials, everything was laid out. We had the evidence. I already talked to the officers, right. you know, we know we have a strong case going forward and we know we have a great opportunity to
1: win. so I, I don't I don't understand that. yeah, I don't either. And, and then you meanwhile, you have people like the Giles girl. Who murdered Cootie in the Walmart parking lot? And now she's out on bond, and uh, she, she had, two of the conditions of her probation were no casinos and bars, and she has a curfew. And she's applying to open a DAC place, right? Was that you? You? Had, and she's supposed to go on the trial this past year. Of course, COVID. Get that. Now it's you know like a year and a half, two years away. I don't get that. How can you apply for a liquor license and 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 not apply for a liquor license? Or put yourself as the manager and owner on the LLC when you are have been told specifically by a judge condition your releases this and this. Well, I'm going to tell
0: you those are some of the things that make the justice system look bad. It's horrible, you know. Yeah. And and that's you know just like the example I gave about. You know, it'd be a serious, you know, major drug dealer coming in court and gets probation. Right. And then everyone in the community is like, wait a second. Right. You know what I mean? Right. What's going on with the with the right. criminal justice system? That's exactly
1: right. And and, and let's, I'm going I'm to talk about this because uh, it's on my head, on my mind. You, you're talking about you're a close association working with the cops. Now, I know to build a RICO case, y'all, it's tough. Okay. But... It's so beautiful if it's done correctly. I mean, as 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 will be the death penalty of non. Well, it's, they could have some murder cases in, but Rico is like or a habitual offender. As mm-hmm. as when you put that on on the table, the bad guy goes. But you have they're so complex. You have to come correct. But you couldn't do it without law enforcement. Now I want I want to say this because I know, in the, in Courtney's. Uh, Courtney series. It, I mean, I wasn't harder on anybody that didn't didn't screw up, and everything on there is the truth. But I firmly believe that there are way, 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 way more good cops, even in Pete's Parish, in the sheriff's office, and APD, and the, the small departments, than there are bad. So if I say something negative about a cop, or you hear me or Miss Stephanie having a recording of the detective lying to her on the phone about Courtney's case and stuff like that. I'm not putting down on all cops y'all. I I back the boy, but I can guarantee you all the good cops out there or or, or all the good cops from Rapides Parish are sick of the bad ones making it hard on them too. It's like the George Floyd murders. I mean, they murdered straight up and, and, but there's there for for every, I'm not saying there's not a problem because they're they're uh of of racism and stuff because there is but for every bad cop out there there's a there's a million great ones yeah
0: you know and that's why when i talk about certain cases i don't i don't talk about assistant district attorneys because to me they work for someone right and so you know when you work on certain jobs you know you 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 work and you serve at the pleasure of the leader or the head of that group or organization and so to me, no assistant is at fault for anything. It's just like with cops, you know cops, you know they, they're not at fault for what a leader or what someone in leadership has done. you know that's that's on them, right you know and a lot of those people may not like something that goes on just like in district attorney's offices. Right. maybe assistants don't, that don't like what's going on, but they have constraints right. And that's another reason why I left. I don't I didn't like the constraints of being being there too, because you know, if you work in a political office, you know, you, you, you have certain things you, you can't be, you can't be seen with a certain other public official. I get it. You can't do, you know, it's, it's a lot of constraints that you have on you because you work in a political office. You serve at the pleasure of that politician. And so,
1: you know, it, it does place constraints on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get that. I'm going to tell you, I, and I haven't told the story and I'm not going to tell it uh, on the podcast, the full story way back when I arrested three of the richest guys in this, we'll say this area that I was working. I handcuffed all three of them to the bench together. And I handcuffed all three of them to the bench together. In the next week, they were uh, at a hunting camp with a district attorney. So I mean, and I get that. That's the mm-hmm. and so what you're, what I think what you're saying without saying is you could build it up, and you you know you could do good on something, but then. Whatever, for whatever the boss man's reason is, he comes in, and puts it next to it, or stops, or or takes it away, or does whatever. And as y'all, that's that's your elected official playing politics, you know. And and it is with that's yeah. You know, I used to say, oh, well, it's above my pay grade. I did my job. I rest mm-hmm. You know, they still got booked in. But uh, on the DA side, what do you do about that? Yeah. And and let me tell you something. One of the cases and. Uh, People tell me all the time, I say Terrell's name, Terrell's name wrong. Um, One of the cases I did on Rapids Burning, I can't remember the name. It was a sex offender, got out on like a slap of the wrist. And uh, uh, I mean, just bad. I can't remember which one it was. You know what Philip Terrell's one-liner is when KALB finally interviews him? And they bring it up because it, it's a bad, I mean, it's a bad deal. And they said, but what about this? And he says, oh, I'll have to get with the whoever the ADA was. Now, that's bullshit, man. Yeah. There's no way this guy's got 150-something counts of child pornography and rape or whatever it may be, and and you're going to get let him out with a slap on the wrist. And or and and you say, when the, you know, the cameras are in your face for the two seconds that they are, you say, I'll have to check with my assistant prosecutor and see what happened to that. So either... You're such a inept pardon my French! Such an inept, shitty leader that you really didn't know, and, and and you let your prosecutor make this kind of. This was could have, could have been a death penalty case, and you let your prosecutor make that, and you just don't know you you're that bad a leader, or you're full of shit, and you 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 made the deal for whatever the reason is, and you're not going to say why. The problem is, it's. On going here, y'all, it's rapids burning shit. I'm I'm glad I don't live here, man. And but I hurt for the people and all these families that I've talked to, the victims' families. And it's not just murder cases and cold cases. It's these people every day. Uh, Jermaine, somebody emails me, and I had two yesterday. One of them was a girl that was raped when she was 16. She's now 20, in the the the. DA's office passed it off. She says she's lost her whole family behind it, et cetera. And what can she do? I'm like, this rapid's burning. I mean, I don't know what to tell you to do. I mean, the the, but it's it's so much more to it than I've even been even able to put out there. And but I want the people to know, you don't have to put up with it. You got one chance to make a change. Since I announced running, um, I've had so many
0: families and so many people reach out to me um about cases that I had no idea about. It some people reached out to me about cases that were ongoing while I was in the district attorney's office right. and I had no knowledge of those cases. Right, right. And um and they would tell me, you know, what happened and the things that went wrong in the case and their displeasures and it's just it's more of a common thing than I even thought it was. Right. You know, and it's people from all walks of life, you know, that have had these experiences. Right. You know, so it's, you know, it it is an ongoing thing here. Exactly. And, you know, we just have to do better, especially in, in regards to our dealing with some of these victims' families. I think because from the stories I've heard, you know, and I and I believe every one of them. Right. You know what I mean? Well, they don't have a reason a
1: lot to they you. They don't have a
0: reason right. lie to lie of me. So, uh, so I, it's just it's just sad some of what's been going on here. Yeah,
1: and and the y'all. In case I didn't say it, uh, Jermaine Harris is is actually stepped up to give you a chance for change. In Rapids Parish, he's running against incumbent Philip Terrell. 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 however the hell you say his name? He's running against him because, and I'm going to tell you that the when you step up, the the district attorney has six year terms in the state of Louisiana, not four years, six years, and they're powerful. I mean, I mean, it, it, and and with great power comes great responsibility, and you can choose how you use it. And I do not understand. I didn't know the, anything about only trying eleven cases last year and losing five of them, et cetera. But the, uh, but the all I know is what these people like you, these victims, and and family members that have reached out to me. Hell, they don't have they, they don't have a reason to lie to me. They're not going to get famous for it. They're not going to get any money for it. It's not going to bring their their dead love yeah. loved one back, et cetera. But the they're crying out, and that's why I wanted to put it all together. But let me tell you something. My hat's off to you because you have to live here. And you know what it means. First of all, you know what, what, the, what you're dealing with, who you're running against. You've worked underneath them. Yeah. And you know what it means. That, uh, if you don't win, you you still have guts enough to stand up there and and say, hey, you know what? And I, I, I tried to make a change because you believed in it. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you back to
0: the victims real quick. Um, I was telling one, I said, look. A lot of the times, if, if there's not enough evidence in a case, you don't have enough to go forward. I think that's, you know, if you can sit down and really explain that to that family and that family trusts you. Right. That's a big difference. See, when you have credibil- credibility and the families trust you, they can trust your decision. Right. But if they don't trust you, they won't trust your decision and that brings your entire office into, into dispute to me. Right. You That's know, right. That's right. Our leaders, if you trust a leader and you trust it and they have credibility, you'll believe them if they come to you and say, ma'am, there's not enough evidence to move forward. Right. You may not like it, right. but you can right. accept you have it to because understand. you trust them. You
1: may not like it, but you have to understand it. Yeah. But it, but if they come, that same person comes to you or, in the court case according Courtney Cocoa, told Miss Stephanie and the whole, in front of our whole family, brought them in, and it, with the chief of police and the sheriff, et cetera, and told him, yep, we know the killer is this person. We know it's exactly what happened. We're going to prosecute it. I'm going to take it to the grand jury. Give me two weeks. That was last November, first week of November. February, we peacefully protested outside of the courthouse in the freezing cold, and he still hasn't returned a phone call. See, the and, and then... When interviewed by KLB, or he issues a statement to KLB, it says, I don't have, right, we, uh, I'm, I'll take credit. My The lifers, my fans got pissed off mm-hmm. and they were blowing up the DA's line and APD's line. And every one of them, they called it and they were recording it. And every time they had answered, the DA's office would say, We don't have that case file. We have no knowledge of recording Coco's case. Now, how fucking insulting is that to the family? Yeah. Yeah. And, and but, I had to back off and ask the fans to lay off, et cetera. But Philip knew we were out there. All he had to do, if you're not hiding something or you know you're not wrong, why not come down there and say, hey, we're still going to fight for justice for Courtney or say something to the mama, you know? Mm-hmm. You, that's, that's the trust thing you're talking about. Yeah. If he had came down those stairs and said, you know what, hey, I hear what y'all are saying. Yeah, and, and we're we're doing the job out da da That would have gone, yeah, but then I liked it. Yep. But damn it, it would have gone a long ways, and we wouldn't be sitting here almost a year to the date, and you know, afterwards. So, yeah, but you got and you have to be aggressive in in putting those
0: cases together. And I don't, you know, to me, I don't, I don't know if it's a focus over there. For me, that's one of the things I would want to do is to be aggressive with these cold cases. You know, but if you if you if you're having trouble with the cases that are currently
1: ongoing exactly. over there exactly. right now, I don't know how, how do you handle yeah. get into the colds? And, <laughs> yeah, and I get that. And uh, I'm I, I'm gonna tell you something, uh, Jermaine. And I, I worked all I was out of headquarters in Baton Rouge when I was with the state police, and I worked all over the state in different parishes. And I am not lying. I'm not just because I'm personally involved in Courtney Coco's case. I am not lying. This is the worst. I've ever seen. Now, listen, when I was with the state police, I had, and I've said this before, and somebody wants me to tell a story, I'm not going to, but I had dealings with the Rapides Parish Sheriff's Office. When I was with the state police, they damn well know who I am. Mm-hmm. And when I was a criminal investigator with the state police, so they know who I am. Their detectives know who I am. In the uh, place, they, they don't have any love for me, that's fine. I don't care. Do your job. You know, it's, it's somebody that needs to step up and not filter uh, out He's been given every chance in the world. And, and to sit there and tell that family to their face, give me two weeks, I'm taking it to the grand jury. And then it's still, what I, I don't know, it's almost, hell, it'll be almost a year. It'll be a year into the first week of November right. and since he's talked to her. And that's shameful. I know, you, you, you know, I hope the people will give you the shot. Y'all, I, it's a presidential election year. You're probably going to the poll to vote anyway if you want to do change. I think what happens, Jermaine, and I've seen this a lot over the years in these elections is people think that it's the good old boy system is just the way it's always going to be, you know, that you they can't fight, that their voice doesn't count, et cetera. But that's not true. This is your chance if they vote for you. If they want change in the district attorney's office, then they need to vote for change. And I'm going to tell you, when I first was talking about running, the biggest thing people told me was,
0: uh, you don't have the money to run. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the biggest thing I heard is the money, the money. You know, your opponent's going to have 300 grand. Right. You know, you're not going to have 300 grand. And I'm not going to come close to 100 grand. Right, right. You know, but but I think the biggest thing I saw in deciding to run is that people really want to change. And people... Weren't satisfied, and I think when you've seen upsets happen in different places across the country, right. it's already it's always, it's always a movement. It's always a, a feeling among people that you know things aren't going the right way. And so I think right here, right now, there's so many people fed up with the direction uh, that we're going in. And so I think that you know, for me, uh, money can't vote. There's only people that can That's vote, and exactly so right. I'm concerned with I'm, my issue was is getting a what's going on over the last six years to the people and let them decide. Right. You know, uh, some people may refer to something. Oh, you brought up a case. It may be dirty. I'm not going to get into anyone's personal life or anything like that. But if it's a case that happened in court, we got court minutes and That's it's right. factual and it happened. I don't see how it's dirt by, by it up. It's a matter of public record. It's a matter of public record. Anyone could go in and get a copy of the minutes and see what happened. So I'll never get into anyone's personal life or anything like that, but I'm going to show cases and show what happened. And, the voters make the voters are the jury, you know. Right. I'm gonna put the evidence to the jury, and I'm gonna let them decide what happens. Right,
1: right. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this because as, a, as a, if I was a voter in Rapides Parish, I would want to know. Uh, first of all, the you already said one of them. It, I mean, how do you restore trust in the, in the district attorney's office or faith from the people in the DA's office? I mean, I guess one day at a time, one case at a time. I mean,
0: yeah, definitely,
1: and 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 to me. Having the right
0: people in place and start building it piece by piece. When certain cases come in, when they see it's no favoritism going on, when they see certain uh, friends and relatives of certain people in power uh, having to come to court and answer for it, just like their son or daughter would have to do, when they see those things happen, then they know wait a second, we got to change in Rapids Parish. You know, this person's son is sitting in court. Okay. Waiting for five hours like
1: everyone else J- is. Just to spread evenly for everybody, no matter what your race, your economics, or your ties to the, the political connections. We're right? in a
0: place now where someone may get arrested and the public will already know nothing will happen. Yeah. And, and they'll be right. Nothing does happen. Yeah. So I think once, once that starts to change and they see people being treated fairly, whether you're a CEO or, right. you know, no matter who you are, when they see you treated the same as everyone else.
1: And, and so, boy, my daddy always taught me to treat the janitor just like you do the CEA, but exactly. and, and the DA's office that carries a special weight, right? That's true. So, that's your pledge to the people that you you you'll be 100%. fair and justice.
0: One hundred percent. And uh-huh. uh, and for me, you know, I, I'm not a am not in the good old boy system. I I never applied for it, and I've never been inducted into it. So yeah. so yeah. so they don't have to worry about that. If you
1: go in and you do an honest job, you never will be. I never will be. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> And let me ask you about just a couple more things that popping in my head the what do you what do you let's get narcotics out of the way first narcotics will always be there and always be a problem but what what, what will you do about narcotics well for me the biggest thing is I was got I worked so much for the FBI
0: task force that I, I want to do one as far as state crimes but I don't want to do these you know by bus and things like that I want to actually build up cases where we're actually targeting mid-level dealers. Um, you know, the feds do that well in this area, but it shouldn't just be on the feds. I think, you know, we shouldn't just give that wholly to the feds. I think that the DA's right. office should be at the lead. Right. They shouldn't be following the U.S. Attorney's Office. They right. should be setting the standard, and they should be the ones out there really uh, hitting the pavement and not not just worrying about the street dealers, right, right. but building it up and having strong, quality uh, investigations
1: that actually get suppliers off the street and not just the nickel and dimes. Excellent. The, uh, hit them where it hurts, They're the suppliers and the money chain, right? Exactly. Yeah. So now what's well, uh, more near and dear to my heart, what about uh, child sex victims? What about rape victims, people that are victims of sexual crimes, human trafficking, child pornography, and things like that? The biggest thing I think we need to do, and I I want a division.
0: Now, they they somewhat changed now in the DA's office where I think they have sections, but I I, I always like people specializing in something, you know, and that way you have the best and the best in that field. So I want people who are dedicated to doing those types of cases, sex crime type of cases, and um, so they get the right training. They, They get to partner with the sex crime detectives in each law enforcement agency. They know them by name. They work together well. They work with the Children's Advocacy Center. And they are a team. And I think that um, when it comes to those cases, you have to build them up early, especially and you have to have people who are qualified to deal with those child cases. Um, but you build them up and you screen them properly. And if you have strong enough evidence to go forward, then that needs to move forward to a trial. I don't think, for me, I don't believe in the, the child sex cases that you should be uh, all this plea bargaining and all that. And, you know, I think if you got a strong case, if you've if you done your legwork in the beginning, and went over all the facts, and you have enough to go forward. Then you have to take that case to trial, you know. Um, so that, that's 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 my opinion on that right. when it comes to those types of cases. But I want specialization when it comes to those cases, right? And and I think that's
1: important. And the the plea bargain and all of that—that's uh, bullshit. And and the the I mean, I understand not wanting to put some of the victims, especially young victims, through. Being on the stand, you know, after the done CACs or Child Advocacy Center interviews and stuff like that, I get it taking maybe to, uh, a plea, but it's got to be a hard plea. Yeah, and I'm talking if they get out, they go going to offend sex. It's ninety nine percent mental. And I've, I've had a uh, Catholic priest in his eighties that that had, had done a, a bunch of altar boys over the years, and he was still when I got him he was still doing it mentally right and, yeah. and, and crossing those barriers even though he couldn't do it in the physical side anymore so I, I believe they're not gonna stop you know yeah. and that, that damn it that's why we build prisons that, that's
0: right I don't think it is anyone in the parish I think that's one of those crimes that crosses over any economic that's, background any race, that. anything is that no one wants a child predator on the street exactly you know? I have two daughters you know I'm You know, I'm standing by the bathroom when they go in the bathroom. You know what I mean? I just, you know, society, the way it is, you know, it makes you hard to trust anyone. And so just, you know, when it comes to your children, you know, I don't don't like taking
1: chances. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So you pledged to. We're going to be aggressive aggressive aggressive. with those child sex cases that I don't, you know,
0: I think lately you've seen some pleas that are, you know, they have people scratching their heads. Which is why I said you screen the case properly. If you don't have enough evidence, you know, then you don't have enough yeah, evidence.
1: I, and I get that. And 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 I, I don't, you know, you, you don't want to build junk. You also don't want to let them get away. The, um, and, but but if you charge when it, when, when you let people go that and, the, and the, you, had, you had enough in the beginning to have them a two million dollar bond, and they have a hundred and something counts. And then you, you plead them down to one count of attempted whatever and give them probation. That's bullshit. See, and that was, that's what I mentioned about making the criminal justice system look weak. Because if you if you are arrested
0: for, for child sex crimes and the DA's office gets it, they indict you. You go to court yeah. and it stays in court for a couple of years. That's that's And then ridiculous. you give them a year probation. You know, people in right. the community they, they're going to say, well, "Wait a second, they were charged with incest, you know, uh, and, and now they have one year probation." It's a disconnect. Right. If you don't have it in the beginning, to me, you deal with it in the beginning. Right. But if you charge them, you're saying it's enough as That's a DA's exactly office. Right. So yeah. you know, you're signing your name on it saying there's enough to go forward. Right. And then if you turn around and give them a deal like that, everyone in the justice system is crashing their
1: heads. That's exactly right. And, and then uh, real quick before we get on to the big one, tell me, uh, and you talked about it earlier, this is, is very important to me. Tell me what you would do. And, and now I'm going to back up for a second. I know that the DA has stood in a room full of people uh, when certain law enforcement officials were present and said to the family members, you know, you know, we haven't always got along or worked the best with these people. Talk about some of your local law enforcement. He said, we're going to work together on this case. That's bullshit, man. I mean, the, the DA wouldn't have a job without the cops doing theirs and vice versa. But what, we, what do you... How would you, uh, and then you know what, there's going to be cops listening to this too. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you say to them? What, what, what will you do to strengthen relationships and cases or whatever?
0: I'll tell you. That's that's one of the things I saw that was coming when I worked in the DA's office. The officers on the ground working hard to build cases. Oh, that's, that's sad. You man. know, they're working hard, you know, spending time working with their family, their loved ones. I know it. Um, to put cases together and they put so much time and effort into those cases, and then those cases end up at the DA's office. And so when they sit back and find out, you know, cases are getting dismissed or getting played down a little or nothing, and they put all that work and effort into the case, right. you know, that causes some of them, they're still going to do their job, but yeah. it, it, it makes you sit back and wonder, what what am I doing it, this for?
1: It, it, a, it taints them. And, it does. And, and I mean, here's the bad thing. You know, when I sat in on all these baby rape cases, um, baby interviews, I shouldn't call it that, CAC, Child Advocacy Center Interviews, uh, that's the official term. And we're watching through the monitors and, and, and listening to these babies say these horrible things that happened to them. You have to tell you something. You damn well better prosecute it. And, then, and on ones like that, I wouldn't even wait to the grand jury. I'd go get on the warrant right then, having the PC have heard the kids say it. And then I will go to the grand jury later on and defend her. Or I will take it to stand and a uh, probable cause. But yeah, it, it makes it bad. Yeah. And, and for morale, and then the, you talk about trust. You the people who really need to trust each other, It's like a football team. The 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 DA is the coach. The 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 players are the cops, right? The DAs and the ADAs are, are the coaches and, and assistant coaches, and the players are the cops. If your players don't trust you, they're not going to perform. I mean, there's not. I'm not going to say they're going to turn a blind eye, but they damn sure, or become tainted, you know, and and. Uh, so that, I think that's important. The, the, the DAs and the cops working together is everything. That's how you win. You have to. You have to work together. And see, a lot of the times,
0: you know, I think the problem comes in when sometimes the DA's office wants to do something, you know, for other reasons outside of just where there's enough evidence. Right. So, the, so the cop will be sitting there saying, Man, I have a strong case. You know, and then when they see it go by the wayside, by the wayside of the DA's office, they're thinking, wait a second, how can I build a stronger case than what I built? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's not about strength of the evidence. It's other reasons that have come mm-hmm. into play mm-hmm. as to why that happened. And so that causes, you know, you, and I, I've dealt with them a lot over there, and,
1: I, and a lot of them expressed that. Yeah, and, and that's true. And they're not going to say to the DA's no. face. But let me say something, Jermaine, and, and I do personally, obviously everybody in the world knows I'd vote for you if I was here. In my in my past career, some of the best DAs um, that I've worked with have actually they would put on training like four times a year, like a, a supper, and bring them in to talk about whatever the hot topic issue is, or have a class on better report writing for uniform guys, or you know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 so even joint joint working like that, uh, yeah. Hey, if you if you get in some cases as a DA, you're just saying. Uh, the cops mess it up, but you know what? Let them know and train up on it, so it won't happen again. Or let their supervisors know, so they can train up on it, right? And that comes from trust, and 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 that and that works with police in the DA's office.
0: When the police trust and have faith in what they would do in that office, then they will respect when they make a decision on a case. So my relationship when I was dealing with law enforcement in the DA's office, if I had to dismiss a case. That officer, I would talk. They would respect this. Okay, Absolutely. well, if Jermaine did it. Then I, okay, I, I respect that. Right. You know, but if they don't trust right. the person or trust, you know, then they may say,
1: mm, I don't believe. I don't believe it happened for the right reason. Right. You know, it's about right. trust. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and let me clarify. When I say I never lost a case, I mean I never lost one. I, I'm not saying one was never dismissed or anything. But but again. If it was, I understood why it was. Yeah, right. So that's a big difference than taking it to trial and losing five out of eleven trials. Exactly. The uh, the big one in the coup de gras is murder, right? Mm-hmm. And and y'all are homicides. And and homicide in the state of Louisiana, right, I'm sure, as everywhere else, is defined as an illegal taking of a human's life by another human, right? Yeah. The, uh, what. What are your stance on on homicides, uh, tell the people, because I think it's important, because they know what they have now, mm-hmm. okay? And, and and tell them, you, I'll just shut up. You tell, say what well, you gotta say. My
0: experience dealing with
1: murder cases is that you win them
0: on the front end. You know, you don't win them on, you know, two years later or a year later down the road when you're trying and you win it on the front end. And so to me, my experience in dealing with murders, you have to have someone active as early in the process as possible. You know, I would want an ADA at the scene of every homicide, you know, because I want someone there who would be there to, to not take over the investigation. Exactly. But to sit back, be there to advise, you know, and help start shaping that case from the beginning, you know. And so, you know, I've noticed, you know, sometimes, you know, violent people are violent. And so people are reluctant to testify sometimes. Absolutely. Usually in those, that very early period after a homicide, people are willing to talk early until intimidation starts. To me, you have to get those people early. And my thing would be to try to get those people in grand juries as early as possible right. so you can go ahead and secure that testimony um, and lock it in under oath. Right. You know, Because if you don't do that, sometimes they may run on you. That's right. And so to me, I want to get that done very early. Build those cases early, working with law enforcement. And I want to try them within a year of indictment. You know, to me, you know, once you start going past the year, you have witnesses moving. You know, you have to uh, hunt down evidence. To me, you get your evidence together as early as possible. Get everything, reports as soon as you can get them. Sometimes there are delays with the labs. Get the reports to the defense attorneys as soon as possible and give them all their discovery. I'm not going to fight you. He everything That's we right. have and we're going to go to trial. Yep. You know, we're not going to be in court, you know, six and seven
1: continuances. And not to cut you off, but you know, that is the damn problem, and that's part of the problem. Even a defense attorney, you can't blame the defense attorney for uh, delaying and delaying and delaying. And, and, and uh, you know, both sides are going to get a reasonable amount of uh, delays or this hasn't been produced, et cetera. But the longer it goes the Better it is for the bad guy, right? Exactly. People are going to die, they're going to run, they're going to get scared, like you said. And if their testimony is not locked in, the uh, feelings change and, mm. and things change, and in the end, the they the, they play them out as bullshit. And 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 I, I don't get it. And let me ask you one, one more because this really 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 bothers me, and y'all, I apologize because I forget the name. But the, they had a homicide in Rapids, and I'm not asked putting you in a spot. I, I just want to ask, you, would you, just stick with me for a second. Mm-hmm. They had a homicide, uh, two gay lovers. Obviously, but one of them murdered the other one. He he hid the the his lover's body in a box in the residence for approximately or at the residence for approximately a year before it was found. Now this victim is what you know and you call it a high-risk lifestyle whatever the uh the victim had no family members here had nobody to speak for him. yeah and they drug it out and and when it comes to the trial date at the last second they plead him down they give him three years probation say so, but i want to ask you because ultimately the district attorney is the one who speaks for the victims yeah and and i think they failed this guy miserably on 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 this case and if you, if you I mean, if the guy that did the killing if it was it was self defense and why did you why'd you hide the body for a year? Yeah. You know? The, the, when, on the court date when it comes to show up and there's no family to give victim impact statements or anything like that and uh, and they change the plea to down to what something ridiculous given three years probation. What do you what do you pledge to do differently for the victims of violent crimes, especially homicides, especially if they if they are poor, or they're not politically connected, or I'm, I'm telling you something, I'm, you can connect the dots in these cases yeah. that I talked about. It's if there's a such a thing as socioeconomic racism, it's going down. Yeah, you, none of the cases I talked about were judges' kids or politicians' kids or family members, or whatever. Those didn't come up. Yeah. Every single one of them are good, hard-working people. Some of them may have been in a high-risk lifestyle, but guess what? That doesn't give you a reason. To never, you never have a reason to murder somebody. I don't give a shit if they're out there doing all the dope in the world. And another dope kills. There's no excuse for murder. I'm not talking about self-defense. I'm talking about cold-blooded murder. Yeah, But it's, it's like... They only, but the DA only has to worry about once every six years answering for his, his mess ups, right? And then, and the, and the pattern I see in this is these people, these good and it, salt to earth people don't get justice. A lot of them are or are, are told, Yeah, we're working the case, or just like Miss Stephanie's and in November, yeah, we're going to prosecute it. I'm going to take it to the grand jury. Hell, it's, going on a year later and he hadn't even given her a phone call back. You know, what, 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 what would you do if you have victims that, that aren't, I hate to say it, intelligent enough, to, they don't have enough knowledge to, to, to represent themselves or fight for the family, the deceased murder loved ones, or they don't have the means or, or what would you do for them? Think, Why, uh, tell me wh- how you can make a change in Rapids Parish, man. I'm pissed off about that I've never seen, I spent my life doing this, and I've never seen anything like it. I just get fired up. You know, and um for me as a as a district attorney,
0: you really you you show who you are when you see how you deal with someone who has no one to speak for them. You know, I think one of the things is, you know, sometimes you deal with victims who come from, you know, different lifestyles and different backgrounds and things of that nature, but and, and they don't have family to come in and, and fight for them um, for various reasons, and some of them don't have the capacity to talk for themselves, you know, and so I think the biggest thing is you have to fight for that person just as hard or harder than you would fight for anyone else, and I think that, you know, re- regardless of who they are, where they come from, you know, you have to fight for them just like if that judge's child uh, was was involved in some trouble. You have to fight. You know, the victim of crime. Or your own child, or, or one of your own relatives' child, or my child own child, or right any right. Or one of my relatives' children. And you have to treat all those people the same. And I think, you know, that's the problem. I think a lot of people from the, from what I've talked to, they they feel that 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 is taking place. That you know, their voice wasn't heard. A lot of the victims that I've talked to said, "Listen, I went up there and told them. I explained it to them. They didn't listen to me. My voice wasn't heard." And, and to me, it all still comes back down to trust. You know, not everyone won't trust their leaders. You, you know, that's, that's you know, there's no leader that's going to be 100% a, trusted. A person in position of authority is always going to have somebody pissed off at them. They're, it. They're doing gonna, their job correctly. Exactly. And so, and I understand being DA, you, you're going to, sometimes you're going to make friends, sometimes you're going to make enemies. But I think that you have to know within yourself that you're doing the right thing and that you're uh, fighting for people who really can't fight for themselves. And that's the... And that's really your job as a DA is to get justice for people, especially people who can't get it for themselves. So I think that my biggest thing is to I'm I'm prosecuting regardless of who they are, where they come from, um, who the victim was, um, who has money, who doesn't have money, where they come from, who donated to whose campaign, you know, all those things are immaterial. And, And for me, I'm a person that's really in a position to do that because I'm really not you know, look. When I when I said I was running for DA, you know, I look. Like I'm not having a lot of people take pictures with me because oh, it's, yeah. it's a it's a Absolutely. dicey game. Absolutely, it's a dicey game in politics. So they, you know, they they know. Okay, well, if 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 Mr. Harris wins, okay, that's one thing. But we don't know. Mm-hmm. Most most people don't run against incumbent DAs. That's right. You know, so you know, we don't know. We like you, Mr. Harris. We'll vote for you, but. Mm-hmm. We don't know if you're going to. so are not going to so, put that sign in my yard because yeah, I don't want to get attention to myself. Exactly I don't right. want anybody to come and say anything to me. And so, uh, you know, so it's a lot of that. So when, when I went, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of, you know, put it like this. There's no favors going on. Exactly. I don't have to worry about that. Right, you know, right. I can actually go in and do what I want to do without uh, having anyone holding anything over me. I don't have that. Yeah, you can
1: get it, go in and do the right thing. And it just came to me. It, it might the name of my boat is Lady Justice, and y'all, Lady Justice, uh, uh, she's holding the scales of justice, a statue. You know this, of course. But the, and but the one thing about Lady Justice is she's blindfolded. Yeah, justice should be blind, right? It doesn't matter what race, economic background, who you know, whatever. Justice should be even uh, for everybody. You know, blind meaning dealt out f- fairly. And just. yeah, right? yeah, that's awesome. The uh, so one more time, and just, and then we'll close it out. And, and I'm gonna shut up. Tell me why you are standing up to run against Philip Terrell. Listen, I from working in the
0: office and being in court every court day for three years, I've seen what's going on in the parish, and I've seen uh. People who have committed certain crimes, violent crimes, sexual crimes, um, basically get off their sentences and are able to go back in a community um, with little to no consequences. I've seen people who have money and people who have uh, the right connections get certain deals, get favoritism, while everyone else is just left to the discretion of whoever's prosecuting them. You know, and I've seen those things happen. And and you know, and to me, I feel like the way the way I am, I, I want to see people treated fairly. And that's why I made a, you know, there was one instance where, you know, there was a guy that came into court and he said, oh, well, listen, I spoke with, you know, someone over there at the DA's office and they they promised me, you know, uh, you know, I can get, you know, some help. And so I said, well, I, let me, let me, let me go talk to, you know, so I went, went, talk to, walked in the DA's office, talked to them. Well, do whatever you want to do on the case. I said, man, just do whatever, but then, you know, with certain people, is not do whatever you want to do on a case that's, wait a second, we need to resolve it this way.
1: And that happens too, too, too frequently. Do, um, I think doing the whatever means that that they don't care because they don't they don't owe anybody one way or another. And on the flip side, you're saying on certain cases, they're like, no, we got to handle this like this, but... From re- reasons unbeknownst to you. Exactly. So there are special
0: cases, and there that's are everybody torture. else cases. I don't think there should be everybody yeah, else cases right. and special cases. I think we should treat all those cases the same. And so, um, and I'm running because I, you know, someone had to make a stand. I looked around the parish, and I, I've seen a lot of people that are upset with what's going on, but no one wanted to run because of they didn't have enough money. They may uh, were afraid of being attacked, and exactly. you know, uh, afraid of the political. You know how things go in politics. So there's a lot of people who are angry and won't change, but they were afraid to step up to the plate. Um, me, I, I, the way I felt about it, I'm like, I'm I'm young. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have too many ties to people in power, so that you know that I'm not afraid of anything like that. So I said, well, I'll, you know, I'm I'm going to get in there and I'm gonna, I'm going to fight it aggressively. I'm going to get in there. I'm not going to run afraid or run scared. You know, if you run scared, you'll definitely lose. Right. And so I said, I'm going to run. I'm going to be aggressive. And if it's some cases that I think, uh, you know, were, were handled poorly, then I'm, I'm going to shed light on them regardless of what happens. I'm going to run at 100 percent and I'll let the chips fall when they
1: fall. Right. So so you say, I mean, if you get in and you're able to review cases and, and you, you think there's something shady that was done on those cases, you're going to make it publicly known? One hundred percent. You know, one hundred percent. I think, you know, we, we, we
0: have to look at those things and, you know, I, I wouldn't mind looking at PTI and seeing how how right. that was run right. and what was done with some of those things. You know, when I when I when I'm elected, I'm, it's a full review and we're going to look at what was done, what wasn't done. Um, I don't you know, when it comes to some of these cold cases, I'm, I'm so interested enough in cold cases, I'll look at them personally. Like I wouldn't even I'll put a little group together, but I will be personally involved in cold cases. Because to me, that's that's just a passion I want to do on my own right. anyway, right. and so um, you know that's definitely one thing I would plan to do is 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 personally look at those uh, cases, and if we have enough evidence, we're going forward. You there know, you, there you go, there
1: you go, and and people rapids, you got a chance. What's the election night, November what? November third. November third. Where you at, rapids? Jermaine Harris. If you you go back and listen to Rapids burning the other three episodes and the travesty and the you listen to those cases. You got a man here saying he he's gonna do it honest and fair. He doesn't owe anyone. I wish I had lived in Rapids. You'd have my vote. You know that. So y'all you you you've heard the cases, you've heard the stories, have so many more. Um Rapids, full of great people, but it's a, there's a problem here and, and this is your chance for change. November third, right? That's Jermaine right. Harris, the district attorney, rapides parish. And you got anything else, Jermaine? Um, and that's it.
0: Look, any you know, my my vision is just to make sure everyone well, number one, our community is safer. Um, especially with violent crimes, these sex offenders, violent drug offenders, make sure we're safe and to make sure everything runs fair. You know, I want everyone treated fair, regardless of who they are, where they come from, their background, any of those things. And those things are not just a, a campaign promise like some people make them because I'm not a politician. I'm 34. Go. I've never run for office before. So it's not go. a campaign promise. I'm not that slick yet, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and pray that I never be, right. you know. But I think that uh, my thing is treating everyone fairly and, and making us safer. And I think once we do that, I think that will open up a lot of doors for Peace Parish, you know, um, oh. especially if we can handle this crime. I think we'll open a lot of doors to help a lot of people, but we have to do the groundwork
1: to get there. Amen. Good, good deal. All right, y'all, you heard it. You heard it, Jermaine Harris. Uh, and actually, uh, Jermaine and I are going to be talking tomorrow night at the because I'm so bad with names. You have it on the uh, tomorrow. Oh, on September the 20th, I think it's 25th every year. There's a national remembrance day.
0: Uh, that's right. That's the National Day of Remembrance for All Murder Victims. It's a candlelight vigil. And that'd be
1: tomorrow. Right. Or, that'd be uh, 7 o'clock. Right. The and 25th. T- tomorrow night. And, and this is why I'm delaying this broadcast until Saturday. But I want y'all to know Miss Stephanie, Courtney's mama, has asked Jermaine to speak. And then I'm going to speak after Jermaine at the vigil uh, on the courthouse steps. And so he's putting his money where his mouth is, as am I, in. I really really hope you get it, brother. And then make a change. So appreciate it. And so y'all are going to conclude this episode. I know it's different uh, than all the rest of them. And uh, also, this would be the conclusion of the season five. You'll get this patron members. You'll be getting this Saturday morning. Everybody else, all lifers, you'll get it on Sunday. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for, you know, we're growing by leaps and bounds. I think, uh, Twenty six thousand members now on the on just the one crew page, but y'all give us uh, we have a, a, forget all the Facebook pages I and mean, we have so many different ones, right? But you know what they are, and uh, this is a point where I'm supposed to say all the podcasts or stuff that I don't really know. But uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Real Life Real Crime or at Overton Woody. And the last thing I want to say. Let me give a shout-out real quick to uh, bomb deals and promo codes, Uh, the ladies. I think they're up to like 175,000 members, y'all, and they've been a huge supporter of RLRC since we started. Y'all go check out their website, and and know I'm not getting a commission or anything, and I wish I was because my wife spends all the money on there, but that's the way where they get the uh, promo codes, for Amazon on things that are already marked down on Amazon and they get these secret codes for it and you can get it and some things are almost free but you actually you can get some items for free but they you, you you ladies know that I love y'all thank you for giving me a shout out last week on your page I appreciate that and last but not least Lopa Louisiana Oregon Procurement Agency give the gift of life go to lopa.org Check the box. It takes like a minute, y'all, and and be an organ donor. And like I say, it, it, you know, not everybody. When you die, they don't they don't automatically harvest your or whatever they call it. Take your organs. The it's only a select few that it happens uh, circumstances. But I'm going to be bringing you an episode next time uh, that is going to I, I guarantee it make you cry. But go to lopa.org sign up to be an organ donor, give the gift of life, give the gift of sight. There's people out there that are dying right right now or living on machines, and you've heard me talk about it in the past. But when you go there, they they have a box um, saying how you heard about them. I always say check the LTC, Livingston. It stands for Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center. Criminal Justice Students First, because that's who got me turned on the LOPA. And then now they've added Real Life, Real Crime. If you want to, you can check us. But check those students first. They're working hard to um, to get organ donors. It's important. Y'all give the gift of life. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Oh, oh, oh. Get ready. You're going to do